and welcome to the Shift HR radio download, where our mission is to serve as a valuable resource that will empower you to make positive and meaningful impacts in your workplace. My name is Karen Byington, and I'll be your host today. Shift's founder and employment law attorney, Catherine Nook Freeman, is back with me today to provide a quick overview of the latest updates to the guidelines on sexual harassment training released by the New York Department of Labor. So welcome back, Catherine. Thanks so much, Karen. All right. I guess we could start by saying that we have a lot of really great news to share. We definitely do, and it's much better than the last update on New York law. All right. So why don't you start with the biggest news that's going to make the New York employers the most happy today? Absolutely. So the the biggest and probably most pressing is that the New York Department of Labor really listened to the comments that were brought to their attention and the fact that it would have been nearly impossible to for organizations across the city and state to train all employees by January 1st of 2019. And so as a result, they ended up um, updating their guidelines with a much more reasonable time frame so that now New York employers need to have their sexual harassment training completed by October 9th of 2019 and not January 1st. Oh, that's really great news, especially for those employers who are the most proactive and already trained their employers in 2018. This is really significant. Exactly. It was in a way punishing those good corporate citizens who, like you said, have already done their training. And so, you know, we all know that the EEOC has recommended that employees be trained at least once a year. Um, and, and so employers, if they were following that guidance, most likely would have had that completed by the time Q4 of this year came around. So now employers who are in that boat and are already being proactive can stay on that same schedule. Right. So just to reiterate and remind the listeners, the new training requirements that go into effect on October 9th, 2018, means that employers have from that date until one year from then, which is October 9th, 2019, to complete all their training. Yes, that's correct. But but I do want to emphasize that employers still should not lose their sense of urgency. They might be thinking that, well, I have another year, I can kind of kind of uh, you know take the reins back, but they really still should be working diligently to come up with a plan to conduct their training. Because first of all, we already talked about the EEOC wanting to see that employers are training at least annually. So for those who haven't done it yet, you absolutely want to consider what's your training plan and are you being negligent and waiting until next October, right? Mm-hmm. What's the right time frame for you? And then moving forward promptly is also important for employers who haven't done company-wide training for all employees, but perhaps maybe focused only on their supervisors. And if that's the case, there's still a lot of logistics and decisions that need to be worked through, whether it's when to conduct the training this year or next, or do you want to conduct the training in person or provide an e-learning solution or some type of combination? Maybe you're going to train your C-suite and executives in person and then roll out the e-learning for everybody else. Also, those organizations will need to think about whether they're going to offer a separate training for supervisors and non-supervisory employees and how the content will be different. And then, of course, which vendor to work with to make sure that you're you're coming up with the best possible solution for your organization. Okay, so a lot of things to think about in in the coming year for these employers, but what else should they be keeping in mind when they're making their training decisions? What other advice do you give in that realm? So they'll need to make sure, as I mentioned, that they pick the right training for them, which of course means picking a training. If they're not going to be using the model training offered by the New York Department of Labor, then it means picking a training that covers the minimum standards 
outlined by the New York Department of Labor. So, and can you just go through what some of those what those minimum standards are? Sure, sure. Some of the standards are, of course, the training needs to be interactive, and you know, it needs to be interactive regardless of whether it's in person or whether it's e-learning. I've seen plenty of instructors who are not particularly engaging or interactive, so that really wouldn't satisfy the requirement. Likewise, I've seen e-learning that's not interactive or engaging, and that wouldn't either. So you really need to make sure whether you're going with an instructor or whether you're going with an e-learning course that they are both interactive. Yeah, nobody's sleeping in the back no, of the room. No, exactly. No one's yeah. clicking through and nobody's sleeping. And, you know, we've all seen our fair share of, of both of those examples. So, and then of course, the minimums include an explanation of sexual harassment that's consistent with the guidance issued by the Department of Labor, uh, include examples of conduct that would constitute unlawful sexual harassment, include information concerning both federal and state statutory provisions concerning sexual harassment, include information concerning employees' rights um, of redress and available forums for raising their complaints, and include information addressing conduct by supervisors and any responsibilities for those supervisors. Okay, so you mentioned the New York model training um, provided by the state, um, but it's really an aid for employers who want to provide live instructor-led training themselves. So the state does allow for employers to use e-learning and online learning, though, right? Right, right. So first, to your point, technically employers could use the model training provided by the state, but it needs to be interactive, and it really needs to be conducted by somebody who is going to be able to engage the audience, answer questions, and all that sort of thing. So if somebody's not experienced in conducting training, you wouldn't necessarily want an organization to keep it in-house if they're not sufficiently prepared to roll out that training. Um, In terms of online training, absolutely. Online training would certainly fit the requirements as long as it's interactive and it meets those minimum standards that, that I just spoke about. All right. And maybe, do you mind just taking a minute and talking about some of the benefits of online training versus instructor-led training? Yes, yes. So there, you know, there, there are benefits for each type of training, but if we're focusing on the benefits of online training, first of all, from a cost perspective, it typically costs significantly less per employee to use online training than to pay instructors to lead multiple in-person sessions. Plus, you can reuse the instructor-led training so that, say, for example, you rolled out the training in January, and then six months later, there is an allegation of harassment in the company. You may want to roll out, again, the section on retaliation so that everybody knows what their responsibilities are to, to really make sure that there's no retaliation that occurs in the workplace. Administratively, it's also a benefit oftentimes to use the e-learning because you're not organizing conference rooms and organizing attendees and 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 that sort of thing. Um, from um, a flexibility standpoint, it's easier to train new employees within a reasonable time upon their arrival, uh, and you don't have to wait for a critical mass. So if you had to wait to train people in person, you might wait too long because the New York guidance doesn't really give a really clear picture. It says that you need to train new hires as soon as possible, and there's a lot of wiggle room there. What's as soon as possible? Is it still within 30 days or are a few months okay? And do you really want to be, you want to have that as an open question? And then, um, you know, again, one of the benefits is if you pick the right e-learning product, it will be consistently interactive. You know what you're getting as opposed to instructors are going with a vendor who offers instructors where some may or may not be particularly engaging or interactive in their approach. 
Okay, great. So if they do, um, you know, employer decides to go the e-learning route, do you have any other um, suggestions or things that they should keep in mind? You know, again, I'm biased, but I absolutely believe that quality matters. Um, The way I look at it is if you're an employer and you are now going to be spending time and money to pay your employees their hourly and regular wages when you train them, Think about that cost. For every employee you have, you're paying their hourly wages. If you have thousands of employees, that's a huge cost, and it's much more expensive than the actual training product itself. So you want to make sure that you choose a training that keeps your employees' attention and actually proves effective in impacting behavior in the workplace. So um, you also want to look at the techniques that are used to deliver and reinforce the content. Is Does the e-learning include an opportunity to role play? Is the training experiential. You know, for example, we at Shift like to refer to some of the studies that show that learners generally remember about 10% of what they hear, 20% of what they see, but 80% of what they experience. So you really want a training that's not just a yes, no, check the box type of training, but it's experiential for the learner so that they retain what they're learning and they understand what they what they're learning. Great. So, Catherine, what other updates did the state provide um, in the guidance that they just um, released on October 1st? So we talked about, you know, the most important piece they now have until October 9th um, to do the training. There are a couple other pieces that were revised. First of all, As I mentioned earlier, the Department of Labor relaxed the rule regarding how soon employers need to train new employees, although they didn't give the specific guidance we would have loved. They now say that companies must train new employees as soon as possible. Um, There's also still a requirement to train all employees annually, but the Department of Labor clarified that in subsequent years, this annual training can be either on a calendar based year or based on the employee's anniversary date or any other consistent date that the employer chooses. And then there was also further clarification that only employees who work in New York State need to be trained. However, if an employee works, quote, any portion of their time in New York State, end quote, even if they're based in another state, they must be trained. So that's still not as clear as no. I personally would like yeah, what's any they, portion, right? Do they explain what they mean by portion no. of their time? No, no, no. So we, we, we shall see as, um, as this progresses. So, you know, really it comes down to the employer's risk tolerance. How risk averse are you? How much do you want to follow best practices? And, you know, because the stakes are high here, I, as an employment lawyer, usually are my clients to err on the side of caution, if at all feasible for the organization. Okay. And what about any other guidance um, or further clarifications on definitions, like um, who's considered an employee? Mm -hmm. So they clarify the term employees to include part-time workers, seasonal workers, and temporary employees. And employers do not have to train third-party vendors or other non-employees who interact um, or, or regularly or on a one-time basis in New York. Um, however, the guidelines did actually suggest that posting a copy of the sexual harassment policy in an area that's highly visible further communicates an employer's effort to be responsible, and I always, always agree with mm-hmm. that. Whatever you can do, especially if it's no skin off your back as an employer to really promote your uh, harassment-free workplace policy, you're well-served to do. Um, Another issue they clarified is that employers can choose to provide additional or separate training to managers, or they can choose to train everybody with the same content. 
Um, it's interesting. They suggested that to the extent possible, delivery of training should be in the same format to all, but it wasn't a requirement. So I'm not convinced that if you provide instructor-led training to your C-suite or upper-level managers, that you have to do that in-person training for everybody. I think it's just important that the content, the content be the same, um, because there's no requirement that the delivery be the same. It's just a, it's just a suggestion. And for some employers with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, or even thousands of employees, that could really be unrealistic, cost prohibitive or administratively prohibitive. Right. And maybe what they're trying to get across and correct me if I'm wrong, could just be that they want to make sure the quality is mm-hmm. the same for whoever they're yes, delivering it to. I agree with you. That's so the way I'm interpreting have, it. Yeah. Real mm-hmm. high quality training for one group and something that's you know completely absolutely for the rest. absolutely. Um, and then one other point that the state emphasized is that the training must be provided to employees in the language spoken by employees. And they weren't again crystal clear in this regard. Um, so the question really is: Is it the language spoken by employees in the workplace, and and not just a language that might be spoken at home? Which I think is probably the reasonable way to interpret this. And New York is going to provide their model training materials in eight languages other than English. So I could definitely see employers choosing to perhaps, if they had a small segment of the population who speaks another language, they may, in fact, bifurcate the training their employees get and give the model training that's already been translated to those employees who might be a a real extreme minority and perhaps go with another training product Mm -hmm. for um, the rest of their employees. Well, it really sounds like the state did listen to the comments and feedback they received from the public this time around because we we did see a lot of changes and upgrades. Agreed. Um, and it does seem like this round, it's, they're must, much more reasonable and many more clarifications. So that was so great to see. So listeners, we hope you found this information really helpful. We wanted to cover the most important highlights of these new updated guidelines that came out on October 1st in a brief format as possible. So before we before we go, Catherine, do you have any last thoughts you want to share? No, just I, I'd encourage any employers who are interested, they can find a copy of these new guidelines on the New York State Department of Labor website, along with the helpful list of frequently asked questions. Yeah. And then I just want to remind listeners with employees in New York City that, again, of course, New York City has passed its own law requiring sexual harassment training that will go into effect in April. We still don't know whether or not there will be additional guidance that the city issues in this regard, but we are keeping our eyes peeled for it, and we will keep our listeners updated as things develop. Yeah, and listeners, I just want you to know that Catherine and her team have been working really hard, pulling all of these new requirements together and diving into those new guidelines so that they can have a brand new New York compliant training course ready for employers within the next couple of weeks. Um, And we will, like Catherine said, be sure to update you here on the Shift HR radio download if any new guidance happens to come out or as soon as New York City posts their guidelines regarding their statute in this area, we'll be sure to update you. So if you have any questions, please please feel free to reach out to Shift. You can find us on our website at getshifthr.com. We have an 800 number at 800-790-5030. So contact us with any questions about anything you heard or if you want to see a demo of the online course. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing everything you know with us. We always appreciate it. Absolutely. As, as Karen mentioned, we're, we're all about our clients and prospective clients and, and friends at the company, and we will continue to share whatever we know with, with our constituents. 
Great. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.